like once your penis is there, it's there to be judged. And a lot of guys are very sensitive about that. Coming to America, the royal penis is clean? Just saying that I, I think that he's more just of an asshole than an actual villain. Okay. Hey, it's September 17th, and this is Astronauts Anonymous. Giving you the nerdy news one step at a time. Cue the intro music. Yeah, and then we we can have some like grunge metal, like do no 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 Michael Fassbender's penis, true courage. As V had already said, we are astronauts anonymous, bringing you the nerdy news one step at a time. I am your host Joe Bennett, and with me as always, Viet Lee. How are you? And I'm Ryan. And I'm Alex. <laughs> With our special guest, Michael Fassbender's penis. Yeah. Apparently, this is going to be the new running theme for the show. Well, it, well we would have to live. We would have to live stream it to let people know that it's actually his penis, like in the studio. But I think Michael Fassbender would consider it. <laughs> he could. He could. Well, uh, I guess um, this week we got a, a new topic for you. We will be discussing. Uh, Marvel versus DC, uh, more so the cinematic universes of both. Now, um, what we want to do with this episode, we don't want to just bash one or the other or say the other one's bad. We want to really get into the details of it, like what one studio is doing well that the other one's not, and vice versa. And truth be told, which we'll get into this more, why it seems critically anyway, as far as you know, online and fans are going. DC seems to be dropping the ball while Marvel is still staying on top. So we're going to go into that detail, but before we do that, um, we'll just get into... You guys are just wrong. <laughs> I, I said Marvel's staying on top, and they just both start giggling like little girls. Actually, it was the balls thing for me. The balls were for you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is the most mature group. <laughs> Well, Marvel seems like a very selfish one. You can't insult Ryan for being immature. He's only 16. (laughs) (laughs) And a half. He just looks 16. Don't forget that half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he'll blog about that if you forgot that half. Because now you're going to piss off Ryan's girlfriend in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Totally exists, by the way. And is really real. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, that picture with the moose, yeah, that's not photoshopped. They all have moose, right? That's their... Is, uh, yeah, isn't that like a... That, that, that's a thing, yeah. Standard thing, once you become of age in Canada, you get a moose ride? I think so. A moose stash ride? A moose to ride! <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I think you just invented a new Canadian law! You, you all are 12, I swear to fucking God. Well, why... Well, hold on now. That that law, the the pro-human moose lobby is never going to let that law pass. Why do you think Canada's population is so small? Exactly. <laughs> it's because I think, and I'm, I'm I, this is an estimated exact number, about thirty three percent of their children are mutated human moose babies that that beg for the sweet release that death will bring. That sounds accurate. <laughs> I thought it was more like our, uh, you know, leave no child behind, one laptop, one child thing. It's one moose, one child up there. Yeah, and then and then they honorably will cremate the mutant babies and then spread their ashes in front of a Tim Hortons. 
Any Canadian <laughs> listeners we ever have will immediately shut us off at episode once they get to episode eight. No, they'll politely they'll politely disagree with us. Yeah, they'll they'll agree with me because they know while you know like a muse human hybrid would be cute, there's no way that kid would be able to play hockey. Disgusting. <laughs> Well, no, it's gonna have four hooves. I mean, you're gonna put you gotta put blades on each one of them. That means yeah, that, that means he's gonna have to skate. Exactly. It's terrible. Regardless, I thought Canadians got the plus two to any hockey attribute. Wasn't that a? That's a thing. <laughs> even if they're mutants, and isn't that a thing? That's yeah, like, even. No, uh, we just lost half of our ten users. <laughs> as as I understand it, Rob Ford was a, a dazzling figure skater. <laughs> in his mind, maybe. No, no, no. no. The, the, the crack helps. In his like, mind. <laughs> you know, the the crack helps more than more, it always does. I mean, you can't yeah. argue that. That's yeah, a that's a performance enhancing drug. Yeah. Sorry, any Canadians that listen to this, we apologize. Actually, no Canadians listen to this. Now, no, guys. Imagine an Olympics, right? Where whatever sport you're playing, they give you the one drug that's not going to help. <laughs> What, like, everybody has to chug NyQuil before it starts? Yes. <laughs> imagine, yeah, imagine the robo-tripping, like, 500-meter sprint. <laughs> That's gotta be dangerous when it comes to, like, the javelin throw. Oh, yeah. Uh, imagine LSD track and field. It's gonna be insane. Oh, man. Those are gonna be some interesting Olympics right there. That would be the only thing that would make me watch bowling. <laughs> and you're the bowler out of all of us too. So oh, I love bowling. I know you love not bowling. Not a sport. And yeah. a I'm sport never playing bowling can... with you again, by the way. <laughs> well, it's it's not a sport to Ryan. It's a form of ritualistic combat. That's yeah. No, I, I believe that. You know, he he polishes his shoes in, in a very specific manner. And his ball. And his ball. Uh, oh, so you guys, so you guys have played bowling with this like cheater. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I have. Joe. Yeah, and he, he he showed up with his own gear, didn't he? He yeah. just had it in his car. Yeah, he did. Don't know where it came from. It, like, just magically appeared. He's got five balls and three different pairs of shoes. And I'm uh, just making stuff up. three now. balls. Okay. And two oh, pairs what? of shoes. And oh, then as far okay. as bowling's concerned... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, let's just start with that since we're on the top of you anyway, Ryan. What have you been up to this last few weeks? Well, uh, not, not a whole hell of a lot, man. I am not good at this section. <laughs> I haven't bought any crappy movies by accident this week, so there's that. I know you started Dragon Age Inquisition, and you finally started Firefly, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got through uh, part of the first episode. I don't know why it's so hard for you to watch, like, the greatest show in the world. Because, like, you have a spider sense for whenever I am watching it, and you'll, like, message me, what do you think of the first act, Ryan? I'm on the first word. Because it was two weeks ago, whenever you said you were starting it. That's why. <laughs> no, it was actually legitimately good. I, I like it, and I look forward to starting episode two. When Two you weeks can, later. When you can finish episode one. Well, there's ten minutes left. I'm a bit iffy on how it's going to end up, but uh, yeah. It's... I will say this is this is it, this is an explanation of how Ryan is with watching any watching or reading anything you ask him to watch. He have you ever read a comic all the way through? I've never read a book all the way through. Okay. <laughs> because Fair this is the guy that I lent him a copy of Dark Knight Returns. Because he was interested in reading up on Batman stuff. 
So he has this thing for like it, two, it was, three months. It was more like, read this or else, my friend. <laughs> I believe that was... It came with the murder-death threat, I'm just saying. So... He has a thing Therefore, for like two months. Therefore, I felt obligated to, to, to naturally tell you about the ending. <laughs> Eventually, I asked him. I misread. Spoiler <laughs> for anybody who hasn't read this comic from like 30 years ago. But... Damn it, Joe. He... Hashtag. I asked him, what would you think of the ending? And he goes, yeah, it was really good. It's sad that Batman died at the end, though. <laughs> so I just stopped for like... There's like five seconds where I'm just staring at him. Okay, in fairness, <laughs> at the end, there's one page, and on the other side of that page, <laughs> Batman doesn't die. So, you know, who'd have thought to look at the other side of the page? Either way, this was under threats of death, so, so clearly, I was under duress. I just, I just look at him, and it's like, you didn't actually read it, did you? Just, Although, no. actually, now, now that I think about it, maybe it would have been more poignant if Batman died in the end. I think so. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not going to say it's good or bad one or the other. That's a whole other discussion. Now we can go Because honestly, that. it just opened up the window for the Dark Knight Strikes Again. <laughs> Which didn't need to be opened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, man, that was bad. <laughs> but I think that was when Frank Miller could no longer contain his crazy anymore. Yeah, like, uh, Frank Miller. Well, yeah. Frank Miller, Alan Moore, they both suffer from a very serious like case of Mel Gibson's disease, where they spend... <laughs> Their entire life just trying to hold back the crazy. God, I think I, I think we found our next topic for next uh, the next podcast is just crazy comic book writers. Yeah, because we could talk for a while on that. Mm-hmm. Did Did you see the interview with Frank Miller where he discussed? He's like, "Yes, I let them do Sin City because it was like the best, and I wanted to do the Spirit." Yeah. And I was like, "I it was the first movie I ever fell asleep to in the theater." Yeah, just po- leave poor Will Eisner alone. Yeah, why, why mess And then up? I woke up at the very end, and I heard Samuel L. Jackson, after he was dressed like Hitler, be saying, I'm the octopus! I have eight of everything! And then, <laughs> more gunfire. And then I went back to sleep. <laughs> well, Alex, what about you? What have you been up to this last week or two? Uh, well, like I was telling you guys, I just went to an apple orchard. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, call it? Um... I don't know. I may have mentioned the last podcast. I watched all of Attack on Titan. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned that. You yeah. mentioned it in the group chat. You went on and on about how it's... <laughs> it, and V, it's knee-jerk reaction, because I was there in the room with him. Yeah. It was like, no, it's not! And then I thought about it. Because w- what did you say in the group chat, Alex? It was just um, like Naruto. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. It is, it is very much like Naruto, where it 90% is. of it is the camera just slowly moving a solid character up and down while they're talking to each other, so that way you don't actually have to spend money for extra frames. Uh, <laughs> and they're talking about stuff that they're going to do later. And then, uh, like, for example, my favorite is one, uh, the Titan Man had to carry a rock. This is v- supposed to be very tense. And instead of animating him carrying the rock, they just froze him in place and then just moved the camera up and down to make it look like he's carrying it. Um, and then, oh, sure enough, he, put, he plugged the hole with the rock. And yes. Yeah, and they didn't even show the action after that. They're just like, and then we killed people. Yeah. Um, and then because uh, I heard a lot of stuff about Attack on Titan, I was, and I heard a lot of people say, even if you don't like anime anymore, watch Attack on Titan. And then I watched Attack on Titan, and I was like, the only thing I could get was that the villain was um, the the grappling hook industry. Yeah. Like <laughs> I think they were making the Titans, and who thought it was a good idea to base your entire national defense platform on? Grappling hooks. <laughs> it's the only way to get up there. Which, <laughs> granted, that does raise another question. How did they find out 
that the only place you could injure it was the back of the neck. You see, there's a conspiracy already. Yeah, like, it's already, it already doesn't make sense. And then somebody's like, well, we've got cannons, we've got walls, what should we use? And then some guy's like, grappling hooks. (laughs) Wait, so, yeah, I haven't seen this at all. Um, But it sounds like, what, Wayne Industries has a grappling hook. Yeah. Yeah, They basically have, like, waist-mounted web slingers. That just like grapple onto something and they can swing across with it. It's it's totally won't just take your pelvis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I still like the show. No, I, I still th- I still like the show myself. But actually, after reviewing what Alex had pointed out, it's just it. It's, it is. It is a good point. It doesn't. I don't think it takes away from the show. No, it doesn't take away from the show. But they just followed a, a similar story. Which, granted, it is kind of an anime trope. It was yeah. funny to see you do a 180, though. You were like, "It is not like Naruto, except for this, well, this, this, and this. that." Yeah. Oh, and and, and they it have like the Naruto. biggest trees in the galaxy. Giant, gigantic trees. Like these trees make sequoias look like saplings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they're like, we're inexplicably going to have a monster fight in the woods. Um, and then we're going to... Yeah. And then, like, but there's there's one scene, and, I mean, I was watching the, the, the uh, subs, not dubs. because um, ah, Because nice. I'm a hipster. And, well, first off, everybody's screaming. But when they... When, when main character turns into Monster Man, and then he's going to go pick up a rock, somebody said... Somebody screams to this part of his team. It's like, by my calculations his relative size will not be enough to lift an object that heavy and dense. And it's like, who are you? <laughs> you're, a gra- you're a grappling hook guy. You're one step above a window washer. And exactly. you somehow know how with the density of that rock, how much it weighs, and whether or not a giant naked monster can lift it? <laughs> how dare you, sir? And then other people were... They were having a scene where they're all writing, and again, it's they're not really writing. The camera is just moving up and down, so they don't have to animate because <laughs> uh, they're balling on a budget, people. And the the captain is not telling everybody the plan, and because he hasn't told anybody the plan, everybody is literally screaming and having panic attacks. Like, but perhaps the idea that you have in your head to accomplish the mission could potentially be wrong. What? And it's like, yeah. You're a military window washer with grappling hooks. Like, ride a horse, dude. That's <laughs> the plan. Like, obviously. There's not... It, it's and, and people were just, it seemed like, getting mad for no reason. And then and then the other thing that pissed me off was the main character, who is Monster Boy, who turns into Monster Man, um, has to continuously find within himself reasons to fight the Titans, except the Titans ate his family. And murder everybody? You think he, would have, he has a good enough reason there. I think he'd have at least, I don't know, one good reason. But every time he turns or tries to turn to Monster Man, other people have to go up and tell him why he should keep fighting. And then he has a weird hallucinogenic flashback. Then he becomes a monster guy, but it's all done off camera. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, huh? <laughs> I mean, like, where's the dude that's like, hey, you need to turn into a monster? I just can't believe. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Go die, then. Like, somebody should shoot Monster Kid, is what I'm saying. That's sort of like what bothered me in Hunger Games, is PETA literally gets a soldier killed, and the rest of his unit not only is okay with PETA killing 
uh, that guy, but Katniss, who's only been in the military for three weeks, is put in charge of an elite, like, infantry unit. <laughs> and it's like, dude, they would have told Peter to look at the rabbits. Like... Because <laughs> <laughs> Katniss would be like, we need to save PETA. And I'd be like, okay. And I would have shot Peter in the back of the head and been like, whoops, I slipped. <laughs> Like, the fact that it's even a thing for contention. And Isn't it's her elite group, though, more actually just for propaganda reasons? Yeah, but you still don't... I mean, if you're part of a propaganda unit that's supposed to walk around Kim Kardashian, are you going to put her in charge of things? <laughs> Which, that's literally what Katniss is. She's their Kim Kardashian. Damn. I mean, her, her job is there to... She's, <laughs> she's there to look pretty and show off the latest fan, I could just... Like, if we had fans... Just the amount of hate mail we're going to get from that. Hey, hey, hey. At least we'd be getting mail. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think anybody knows about our email address. Fellas, what's our email address? To send uh, email it's at? the Facebook link. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, but then a lot of the stuff like that, it just makes me wish that there was a boardroom meeting for a lot of these shows. Like, mm -hmm. who in the Maze Runner series builds their entire R&D department around mazes? You're talking about Maze Runner. There wasn't really much thought put in that series in general. Yeah. I mean, I understand they're just trying to get money because of the teen thing, Or, but it's like, and it's the same thing with Hunger Games. It's like, we need to defend our city. All right, with what? Bees. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to use guns? No, we're going we're gonna to take one area and we're going to fill it with oil. And they're like, how much oil? And they're like, millions of gallons of oil. And they're like, to kill who? Maybe one person. <laughs> and that's we're gonna have to clear out the neighborhood. Yeah, that's terrible. Like you, you know, what you can use that oil for cars. Multiple assaults. Instead, they're like, we're gonna do oil and bees. <laughs> we don't need guns. <laughs> and our hover, our hovercraft can be knocked out with bows and arrows. <laughs> hey, Hawkeye took out plenty of vehicles with his bow and arrow. Hawkeye is a trained government assassin. Kim Kardashian shot down a plane with, with her with her bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they explain it. They're like, no, no, she can do that. Why? Because she's good at murdering children. <laughs> like, okay, I will say I'm a fan of the Hunger Games series, so, like, there's a small part of me that, like, wants to jump on the wagon right now and, like, defend Katniss. So, like, anybody that's actually, like, a serious fan that's listening to this, I'm just imagining their rage right now. <laughs> Or, or another one of my favorite is, like, PETA is a violent, brainwashed, like, murderous psychopath, right? So what is Katniss 2? She has a child with him. <laughs> and it says in the book, <laughs> she wakes up sometimes to him strangling her. Like, that's that's father of the year right there. I don't remember that part. And it's like, wow. it's like dear diary, I asked mommy why, why, why we don't play any games in the house, and she's going to take me to the woods, and she says she's going to teach me a real game. <laughs> and Papa's gonna help me too. Oh, whoa! And she told me to bring all my friends. Oh, <laughs> oh Alex. Well, okay. I think we're at the like what ten minute mark, and we've already gotten dark. So. Yeah. Alex, no. <laughs> uh, Alex, please. It's too late. We're there. Yeah. What about you, V? What have you been up to these last two weeks? <laughs> Let's get off that topic. <laughs> For the love of God. Of course, you know, basically murdering children, and you. Hey, what's I said, that? get off that. <laughs> hey, what's you that? asked him what he was up to. <laughs> you brought this on yourself. Okay, well, switching topics. Um, actually, today was uh, was one of the one of the meditation retreats I helped organize today with uh, Shyla Catherine. 
Um, we did a retreat last year with her, and she liked the response, and she decided to come back. Well, today she did another one. Why am, nice. why am I here recording? Well, because I didn't want to attend the retreat, because... <laughs> Be honest, I'm tired. No, that's <laughs> you, how, like you've done like how many this summer? Uh, I mean, I've been planning a lot of them, so I'm I'm just to the point where I'm just like I don't want to sit in a room with people. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's why I'm going to the woods to murder children. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's why I'm you know it's your stress relief. That's it's my stress from meditation. You know I don't think I read these these Buddhist manuscripts the right way. I'm not doing this meditation the right way. <laughs> Via yeah. told me to start with breathing. <laughs> That's where you got it wrong. If you want to really activate the magic power inside of you, Ryan, you have to do like Enchantress and then just keep dancing. Yeah. You have to put, do like the robot mixed with like club dancing. <laughs> you know. But yeah, other than that, I mean, uh, yeah, I haven't really. I mean, I was going to go watch uh, Don't Breathe. But uh, I've heard good things about that. The movie theater decided not to sell me a ticket because I showed up like 20 minutes late. I'm just like, are you serious? So I went to go catch Pokemon. Is it uh, a Pokemon movie? No. What? No, I went to go catch Pokemon. Pokemon oh, Go. Gotcha. I Pokemon forgot that was go. still a thing. <laughs> still a thing to me, guys. Yeah, okay. like somebody predicted, I'm not going to mention any names here. <laughs> me! The thing died out faster than a thing that dies I quickly. agreed if they didn't update it, it would. <laughs> I mean, and, I actually suspected and, they would possibly update it. And you know what they have updated? Check shit. Yeah, yeah no, no. They they jump, like, right on fixes for people that have made better products using, like, yeah, their yeah. stuff. Oh, your GPS sucks and we can't tell where everything is? Well, here's, like, an add-on app that you can use to kind of tell where things are. Uh, well, they shut that shit down. Yeah. Uh, oh. But as for trading or like using tracking Pokemon it through the actual Pokemon or, Go app, or, or yeah, actual fucking tracking using the same app, no, let's not include that. Let's add on a buddy. Ryan, you seem very, very adamant about this. It's not Pokemon. <laughs> well, also imagine any other kind of like mobile game or mobile device where they're like, hey, the thing, one of the major things that you use to actually play the game doesn't work. And instead of fixing it, they're like, they removed the feature. Imagine, in fact, imagine that's what every video game does now. Imagine, like, Bethesda, instead of adding patches and updates, they just take away things. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much Niantic's uh, sort of business <laughs> yeah. strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, Niantic didn't just do that, but they were like, you're lucky we didn't take away more. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, that's how they're acting right now. I mean, besides that, I went to a psychic fair. Um, a psychic fair? Yeah, psychic fair. What? I didn't see that coming. No, of course you didn't. Boo! <laughs> 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 see what you did there, buddy. Boo! <laughs> no, I actually met up with an old friend for lunch, and she wanted to go to a psychic fair. I'm just like, fine, whatever, I'll do it. So we go to the psychic fair, and she's really, in- she's really interested in my love life. I'm just like... It's non-existent. I don't know why we're asking these questions. The psychic or the friend that you took? The, the friend that I took. She's really interested in my love life. I'm just like, I don't have a love life. Wait. I mean, I've told you everything I've done this summer. I have no time to be played with. Literally. Um, <laughs> there's, there's so many jokes, I'm just going to let it I'm go. I'm going to start writing yeah. it down. No, I mean, this is what we're doing this for, so I'm telling the story. Anyway, so essentially I go in, I have questions about business, so I'm like... 
And I was like, okay, you guys are giving me very vague responses, but you're saying I'm going to do well. Okay. And then she, you know, we go outside, she wants to have a cigarette. And she's just like, I want, I want to know if you're going to have kids or be in a relationship. I'm just like, what? You want me to find out if I'm going to find true love from a person who is just looking at my hands and dealing cards? Fine. You know, <laughs> I'll go in there and I'll ask those questions. <laughs> so essentially I went in there and I asked the questions and sure enough, oh, in about a year and a half time, I'm going to be in a relationship and I'm going to have a child. Damn. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. My condolences. Gross. I know, right? <laughs> you know, oh, that's sanitary. Yeah, it is. It, it made her happy, so I'm just like, well, I'm glad that you finally know that I'm going to put a baby inside somebody and be in a relationship. <laughs> well, that's fine as long as you kill that baby before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Those two aren't mutually exclusive. You know, it's going to be, I'm going to inspect the child to make sure that it actually has all the marks, and if it doesn't have all the marks, I'm going to throw him off a cliff, and if he's strong enough, we'll climb back up. <laughs> Good. The Thank you, way. <laughs> Good old Scottish Sparta. Exactly. Well, I'm glad we moved on from the child death. No. Now we're moving on to uh, <laughs> we're moving on to the next. Uh, I guess me Sparta. then. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and also Ryan, don't discriminate against Viet because he's pro-choice. Exactly. He's giving <laughs> that child the choice to crawl out of the hole and survive or not. Um, exactly. I don't think that's. Those words you're using, I don't think those mean what you think they do. Technically they do. Technically, yes. And being technically yeah. right's the best kind of right. Boom. There it is. Oh. Headshot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I swear, every episode you just get weirder and weirder. Yep. But you know what? Weird draws people in. The only person we're not going to draw in is Batman because we're too old. Exactly. <laughs> there it is! There's there the it is! Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Let the gong ring true. Oh, shit. Oh, so, Joe, what have you been up to these two, past uh, couple of weeks? Well, I, I just went to go see a... Um, a 80s cover band that me and a couple other friends are really good friends with. 16 Candles. 16 Candles, yes. Uh, saw Tell us. Again. Give us a like. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. a lot of candles. Yeah. I don't know where they got the name from, you know? Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird name for an 80s cover band. I'm, I'm unsure yeah. where they got the title from. Uh, that's uh, but yeah, I think that's awesome. referencing the uh, the last Starfighter. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That was, because Last Starfighter, that was a John Hughes movie, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. Last Starfighter is fucking awesome. It's a great film. It's really not. It is. It is something. I have it on Blu-ray. And there we have it. Yep. No, I mean... Uh, but, um, also, this last couple weeks, a shout-out, if either of them listen to the show, uh, my best friend and her boyfriend, Kyle and Zach... They just got engaged. Huzzah! So, they're gonna make children for us to kill. No, that no. Wait, they are definitely did, not having kids. They did you ready. say your best friend and her boyfriend, or your best friend and his boyfriend? <laughs> my best friend and her boyfriend. Oh no, no, because you said Kyle and Zach. Like, yeah, my best friend's name is Kyle, but female. Okay, all right. Yeah, her I'm allowed. Is- I'm allowed to ask. Okay, I'm not being heteronormative like Ryan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for anybody listening, 
this look on his face like he had a comeback, but just he gave up on it and just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, um, well, we all went to go see Kubo. Yes, we did. Uh, did we talk about that in the last podcast? We, we did. did. Okay, so yeah, I guess that was before topic, that. But so. I almost uh, want to talk about it again. I, I love know, right? We could, Kubo we could the two do that, oh, but that's... Man. We, hey, another topic right down for some other time, the animation, but mm. we'll, we'll do that some other time. Um, well, and, and Kubo, I just I gotta say this one thing, the thing that I love about Kubo, is really the subtitle for it should be called Eat It, Pixar, because <laughs> I'm not a fan of Pixar anymore. I've they've, they've totally lost their luster to me, and I love wow. that there are other people out there, like, uh, like Leica, for example, um, mm-hmm. who are there to kind of like challenge them. Because otherwise, good, Pixar just gets but... Pixar gets lazy and they don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a bold, bold statement, though. Uh, but yeah, I'm not, oh, really? I'm well, not if, discounting. If, well, I'll give you an example. Pixar assassins. I mean, yeah. If we don't hear <laughs> it's from Disney, else... there are assassins. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you an example. Explain to me the difference between the plot of Toy Story three and Toy Story two. Uh, you can't because they're exactly the same plot. <laughs> <laughs> where an evil toy with a cane who walks with a limp and acts nice but turns out to be bad was discarded by his previous owner and got beat up about it so he wants to go to a place where he'll always be taken care of and adored and not treated like crap and discarded on the side of the road that was the third one but the so second, he was, one, second one in second one it was Prospector or Stinky Pete oh well okay who also walked with a cane and wanted to be adored forever but he wasn't the main like villain thing. he was totally the main villain in Toy Story 2 He's Stinky Pete. Okay, we can, that that's a whole and and, and both of those guys have for a while. and both We're those like, guys have a long convoluted fight on a conveyor belt, and they're both ended up uh, th- uh, punished by being put with owners who don't treat them well. Like the little kid gets put in the backpack of Stinky Pete, and then um, the bear gets put on the front of the garbage truck. Yeah, I Same mean, that's There's a lot more <laughs> nuances to it, but I, I'm not going to get into that. Um, it's like the difference between The Force Awakens and A New Hope, right? There's totally not the same. It's <laughs> totally not the same. Toy Story 3 is to Toy Stories 2 what Cars 2 is to Cars 1. Oh. <laughs> Toy Story 3 was so good, man. <laughs> I mean, only because they, they literally threatened to murder all of them and they're like, feel something, you son of a bitch. No, <laughs> they they did put the... them in a furnace. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was the ending. And, and also, also the You're toys still don't off. trust Woody after Woody saved their lives like two times before that. <laughs> They're like, I don't think we should believe you, Woody. I've saved everyone's life. They were literally going to throw you in the garbage. I am the hero. Like, but everybody still treats Woody like crap for for no reason other than to advance the plot. All right. Well, other than that, other than going to see the band, which I don't know how we got on the Pixar from that again, but um, oh yeah, because Kumo, but. Uh, yeah. Also downloaded because uh, it was free on Xbox Live, uh, Assassin's Creed Chronicles China, which is kind of yeah, a side mar- scroller. Yeah, it's kind of Mark of the Ninja ish, which uh, not as good as Mark of the Ninja, but it's it's a nice it's a nice little you know downloadable title. So that was, it's been fun. I've been playing it a couple hours, um, not too long, but it's a serviceable. Title and especially if we're getting it for free, I can't complain. Also, I downloaded because it was the other free game, um, Mirror's Edge. Oh yeah, first one, which I, I love the first Mirror's Edge game, yeah. and now it was the free game, so now I actually own it again. Um, Wait, there's more than one. 
No, well, this is the original one. There was a new one that came out not too long ago, just like a couple months ago. Was it yeah, Catalyst? I think the first game is called Mirror's Edge, and then the second one is called The Other Edge. <laughs> no, the, the, new one, the second one is Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I'm going to have to find a boo track for this recording, because it's not a gong track That being anymore. said, though, on to our main topic. That, that's us. it for us. So on to our main topic, uh, Marvel versus DC. So again, uh, the whole purpose of this, don't want to just bash one or the other or say one's amazing though. It's crazy. DC sucks. Marvel is awesome. <laughs> we're, again, don't, we're not going to do that per se. We're, we're going to do something no other podcast has done. We're going to compare Marvel and DC. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> hey, we're still a new podcast. So <laughs> give us a little leeway here. But Wait, so we're not going to just blatantly bash Marvel for its incredibly stupid uh, cinematic universe? No, exactly. We we're not we're not just gonna praise DC like everybody else does, yeah, and bash Marvel the entire time like everybody else does. Man of Steel is the pinnacle of all cinematic universes. Oh, don't even get me started on that because you know exactly what I'm gonna say. If we get on that, that that's an inside joke about somebody else. Martha, we <laughs> that absolutely loves. Man of Steel and thinks it's the greatest film in the world, and every single time he starts talking about it, I don't want to choke him because I necessarily think he's wrong. I want to choke him just because he won't stop talking about it. Come on, it's space, Wait. Jesus. Is he, is he still talking about Man of Steel? After I all haven't talked to him in a while, but... <laughs> From what I hear, yes. I haven't <laughs> talked to him in a while. <laughs> but, again, so what we're planning to do here, really, we're, we're going to go, because obviously, very clearly, as we we're making jokes about it, the opposite, but it's very evident that Marvel has been on this almost 10-year high now, eight, eight years since Iron Man came out, and still going strong, and people still love their movies. Even their worst films are considered mediocre at best, but it still holds up. DC has released three movies so far, and all of them have gotten have been very polarizing at best with audiences, uh, and just dropped in ratings immediately and causes and, huge controversy. So there's definitely some differences here, and so that's what we're going to talk about. They're, they're obviously trying to compete with Marvel because they have to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to, like, do things different, but... I think cutting out part of your movie and only letting people that buy the Blu-ray see it isn't a great way to make yourself different. <laughs> and, that, and what actually what what makes me fascinated, right, is you have these you have two forces of desperation between Marvel and DC, right? Marvel is desperate to basically just print their own money because um, they're part of the Disney train. They got to get paid, you know, choo choo. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with DC. They both kind of want the same thing. They want to make money. They want to have a successful franchise so they can just keep making money. And yet, despite, no matter how, like, stable Marvel is and how desperate DC is, neither of them know how to create a good villain. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. In the in the movie universe, that is absolutely true. And that's one point I did want to touch on a little bit, mm-hmm. because this, this goes on more so just the fact that Marvel has had a longer time, and they had decided right from the beginning that they are going to be everything they do, with the exception of the Fox movies... Um, is going to be part of the same universe and all that stuff. So they're able to do this whole cohesive here, uh, thing. So yes, you're absolutely correct saying that the movie villains are bad. It's the exception of one, which has the same uh, advantage that the TV 
villains have, which are um, Kill Killgrave. Um, oh, wait, no, 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 that's, Fist, that's not his name though. His name is Get Back Here, Jessica. <laughs> but no, you have <laughs> you have Wilson Fisk, you have Killgrave, and even to a lesser extent, you had Ward mm-hmm. from Agents of Shield. Yeah, actually, those were much better films than yes, any of them. Because here's the difference, and this is the one advantage that that the only good villains so far from the MCU has had. They've had time to develop. Because what other villain well, besides Loki has shown up in more than one movie? Even and Loki, Loki doesn't even count because Loki's now a hero. He's part of the team. No, he's not. No. Did, have, have, did you see the end of uh, Thor 2? All right, so he killed Anthony Hopkins because Anthony Hopkins is tired. Like... And, <laughs> But, I mean, Loki I, still I, helps fight villains when things are really serious. But that's very much Loki, though. He helps he helps fight villains whenever that's it suits him this, best. That's part of his character. Yeah, he's an anti-hero so, actually, at best. Let me just touch on that real quick, too. Just anybody that's listening, this obviously is going to be a very spoiler-heavy thing. No holds barred, because we're going to be talking about the whole thing. So just heads up for all that. So, sorry. Can, can you imagine a, like, a spoiler-free review of all this? Like, exactly. And there's that that's one thing possible. that happened in that one thing that I didn't like. <laughs> and that scene with the scene with the people in it, and the stuff that happened there too. But yeah, the yeah but it happened. They kind of start out Loki to be a villain, but then by like Thor: The Dark World, they just turn around and make him part of the team. Again, yeah, he kills Anthony Hopkins, but nobody really cared. I mean, Anthony Hopkins fell asleep in the first movie, like literally while they were filming. He was back and forth, and he only helped him just so he really it helped Loki escape. Yeah, and that was the main thing. And but again, like if. If Loki only showed up in the first Thor movie, nobody would have given a shit about him afterwards. Because he followed the same trope as all the exactly. other Marvel villains as just being the opposite of whatever the superhero Exactly. Was. Nobody cared about Loki until the Avengers when he showed up again. Mm-hmm. But even then, he was still just the opposite the of Thor. Yeah. He still got his shit trashed by Hulk. Yeah. Like... Exactly. But <laughs> he was he, he was able to keep that same uh, charisma and everything, but he wasn't just a one-off, I'm this charismatic bad guy, and then I die. I'm a charismatic bad guy, you like me, and I'm still alive, and you're going to learn more about me as we go. Which is what the TV shows have been able to do with their characters, which is why... Vincent D'Onofrio killed it, and so did David Tennant, because they had time to develop their characters. You got to know who they were, why they were doing what they were doing. You got to spend time with them. It's hard to do that with villains, and that's why Marvel, my opinion, that's the if we're going to go on downsides with both of these, Marvel needs to keep their villains alive. Well, or... I mean, but, yeah, how do you have a triumphant ending to a movie, right? If you're going to constantly like, have the villains live, or the good guys live too, though, especially, um, like, in Civil War? Now, like, now I, was, I would say that, like, in, in bouncing off that, aside from the fact that I personally hate Fisk, because uh, he's just a baby piloting a giant human suit, <laughs> just imagine a giant baby head with, like, a little body. And oh, then that's it, I disagree. <laughs> Wilson Fisk's like his body is like just has little little like a steering wheel and he just pilots his giant human suit. Um, there's one point where Fisk is supposed to be lift, like like pushing like weights like benching like 350 pounds. I'm like you you couldn't bench a hundred pounds like Vince <laughs> over the hill Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, but whatever. I don't like Wilson, but I do like that they develop him. Like yes. e- even though I don't agree, and every time I see Wilson Fisk, I just think where because he's just a giant baby. Um, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, they need to they need to um, keep their villains alive. And also, and I'm just spitballing here. Maybe I'm crazy. How about let's not have the plot of every villain be to destroy a planet or to destroy a city. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that no was, one, Zemo was good though. Yeah, no, Zemo, his goals were very reasonable. He just wanted to watch Robert Downey Jr. and Captain America fight. It was the most convoluted plot possible, but, you know... His his goal was attainable. He's like, I just want to watch Tony Stark and Captain America fight to sell tickets. And the audience was like, alright, yeah, we can agree with that. Yeah, Yeah, for that matter, Um, he was the only villain whose his goals matched with the audience's goals. We want to see Tony Stark and... Any time, like, and that's why I like Suicide Squad. Like anybody who's like, "Oh, I'm mad. I'm gonna." First off, nobody benefits from destroying the world. If yeah. Enchantress succeeded in Suicide Squad and destroyed the world, she would just be dancing alone, you know, with her. Well, robotic... Her goal was just to like take over the world, wasn't it? Make no, it she was. She was mad that they forgot her, so she was going to destroy the planet by turning technology against people. Ah, uh, okay. I thought um, she was trying to like control oh everybody. No, you totally ruined the plot for me. Now I'm probably never gonna see it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like everybody, every Marvel villain, they're either trying to destroy New York City, yeah. or destroy Gotham, or destroy Metropolis, or destroy the planet. How about reasonable goals that a villain might be able to achieve? Which, granted, is comic books, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on your point. Like, just give them, give them something to do. That's like, like. The final, uh, The Dark Knight is actually a great example. Now, granted, the Joker's plan is totally convoluted and doesn't make sense. And it, it basically involves, I just have to hope I, I survive, and I know exactly where my enemies are going to put me. Um, can you imagine how frustrated Joker would be if they shipped him to Guantanamo? <laughs> <laughs> like, like he's doing the clap, but he's in a tent, and he's like, oh, wait, that's right. No, I can't well, do anything. he was still in holding whenever he escaped. Like, he knew he was going to be put in holding. But it, it was like it just, and he knew that the people that he got, who, who ate the cell phones, were also going to be close enough to help him escape. Yeah. <laughs> instead of getting sent to like county, or what if like their processing just took several hours because it's the police department? Yeah, and they're well um, funded. Yeah, uh, but um, but yeah, give them like. But at the very end of Dark Knight, the the final really like climax is two boats that might blow up. Yeah, and, I did and, not like that ending honestly. Well, and sure, you know, ready to believe and good. But from a greater story point of view, one of those boats could have blown up. It's the yeah. stakes are small enough that it's believable. No, no, not one of those boats could have blown up. One of those boats would have blown up. Yeah, or should have blown up. Should have blown up. But it's like, and the, and then with the way they try to set the tone for the movie, you, you believe that maybe that could have happened. Maybe one of the boats could have blown up. Yeah, maybe something bad could have happened. Um, Whereas with Guardians of the Galaxy, New York is going to be fine. Even in Man of Steel, they screw up the city and they call back to it in Batman vs. Superman, but Metropolis is basically fine by the end of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then why does Marvel get a pass on this, but DC doesn't overall? Because Marvel, Marvel has... Movies. Well, Marvel has compelling heroes that fight each other, and mm-hmm. that's fun to watch, even though the soundtrack is completely forgettable. There's, yeah, I saw that whole thing. Oh, wow. uh, but no, right there, what you said, that's exactly the point that I wanted to touch on, too, because despite uh, everything that... Marvel does have some story problems. They do especially have a villain problem. But even their worst film is fun. Mm-hmm. You can watch it. And that's what, in my opinion, this is the first point that I'm really going to touch on, is DC has... They go very serious with their films. Yes. It's very dark and serious, which you can say one way or the other if it's good or not. 
Marvel's the exact opposite. They focus more on being fun and lighthearted and all this stuff. You can still enjoy it. So, Disney. if you're going to have a movie, though, that's serious, you have to have it make sense. If you're going to have a movie that's fun, it doesn't necessarily have to make complete sense. You're still going to enjoy it. So Marvel has that leeway, in my opinion. If their movies don't aren't, don't really work narratively and aren't the best, you still enjoyed watching what you saw. DC, whenever they show their stuff, this, when the stories doesn't make sense and everything, it's still this dark, gritty, I'm not enjoying what I'm seeing until the action starts. So either you have a fun movie and you have some wiggle room with the story isn't well, or you have a dark, serious movie, and you make sure the story makes sense. You can't... Well, I haven't seen dark and serious work out for DC yet. No, it because has. They keep doubling down sense. on it. Like, it'll work one of these times. It will. I, they're like they're like a, a, a drunken gambler. Like, oh, it's, it's, if, I just keep, if I just keep playing the dark card... Keep... Now, now, also, I think a lot of things that, that WB... Now, I, I genuinely I feel bad for DC and Warner um and not like well and and i don't actually blame necessarily Zack snyder because it's the job of executive it's the job of executive Executive producers producers, to rein in directors and let them know when they're going too far directors can kind of be cuckoo bananas and have no idea what they're doing and like and like for example the producers on fan four stick were just (laughs) you get this director who you think is going to be a hot new thing and then it's like Chronicle was a successful superhero-ish movie, and not because only that, Max Landis, not because of Josh Trank though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but but from Fox's point of view, and granted, Fox doesn't make the best decisions, but Chronicle was successful, right? And it was directed by Josh Trank, and Warner or uh, DC Marvel hooked up and was like, or, or uh, Disney hooked up, and they were like, oh, Josh Trank, you're gonna make one of the Star Wars movies. So Fox is like, oh man, this guy's one of the the hot new tickets out of the gate. We'll have him do the superhero movie because he did a superhero movie before. And Trank ruined everything. Like, and the and the producers, now granted, they didn't fix it. They didn't fix it. Yeah. But what they did was just try to bring it, and then they did damage control to try to make it cohesive to maybe make $10 off of it. Like, and that's what a producer has to be willing to do. A good producer, you'll never know they were there because the movie just just good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you need somebody to actually challenge them. And the problem with, like, that Zack Snyder is in, and the problem that Warner Brothers is in, is that, and I mentioned this a little bit before the podcast, uh, Marvel is Cobra Kai. And yes. <laughs> Warner Brothers is Danielson. And, you know, they're painting walls and fences and stuff trying to learn how to get good to figure out how to make the superhero money. And they don't want to just rip off of them, uh, off of Marvel, because you want a separate brand to sell action figures. So if they're light and fun, kind of the only thing left is dark, from like a producer's point of view. And also, since Zack Snyder, now granted, like, from their perspective, like, it, they thought, I think, I think uh, DC's mistake was they assumed that uh, Zack Snyder was, like, a directorial version of, like, Jeff Johns or who's the producer over at Marvel? Uh, the, no, Jeff Loeb? No, not Jeff Loeb. Uh, Jeff No. No, yeah, no, they, they. Oh, Marvel, thought, Marvel. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm thinking DC. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought they you were thought DC. Warner Brothers thought Zack Snyder was like a directorial Kevin Feige. They're like, he's done Sin City, he did Watchmen, and that was really loyal to the comic books. Maybe this is the guy that has his thumb on the pulse. Oh, and 300 and whatnot. Like, maybe this could be our guy. And they invested in him, thinking that a lot of the great ideas that he was coming up with were his idea. 
<laughs> Which honestly, from a, I, I can understand where that thing came from because that's where Kevin Feige came from. He helped produce Spider the original Spider-Man movies. He helped yep. produce some of the the original X-Men films, I think. Uh, I think the first two. Yeah. So like he, that's the exact same thing. He did a couple superhero films. So, but he wasn't involved in the comic industry. He just no. helped on the films. And, so and Marvel, he, and he yeah, happened they, to know a lot about the comics, which allowed him to negotiate with like the intellectual properties and move things around. So yeah, you can see where that kind of thinking came from. Yeah, um, and again, like, and Warner Brothers is in a rock and a hard place. They have some of the most recognizable superhero intellectual properties ever. Um, you got to make money off of them somehow. And you have this guy who's done a ton of either successful or semi-successful comic book adaptations. Sure, you know what, let's put him in the helm. And then, you know, the, the whole production process, you're only going to see the mistakes years down the road. Yeah. So you're only going to see, like, the crit- critical reception to Man of Steel two years after production of Man of Steel starts. And by that point... Zack Snyder's already working as an executive producer on a bunch of other, like, DC uh, uh, Universe movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, going back to your Karate Kid analogy, I just thought of this. Like, that's exactly on, because it starts off, whenever he meets uh, uh, Pat Morita. Yeah. What was I can't think of his character's name. Yeah, Miyagi. The first time, he's, like, sitting there, and he's practicing from a book. So that that was Man of Steel. Was them doing this paint by numbers, like yeah, I'm following the book on how to do this movie, and <laughs> oh, Batman and, and, and Batman v. Batman v Superman is like when uh, Daniel Sun's riding his bike and Cobra Kai comes up in the middle of the night. And they're like, oh, you want to do karate, huh? <laughs> yep. And then they they throw him down the ravine. And That's- Suicide Squad, their most successful one so far, critically anyway, mm-hmm. is he's painting the fence. He's still not good. But, you know, he's learning a little bit, which is yeah. also, they're getting, they got a little bit more away from the dark side. They tried to make it funnier. Not, I think they tried to throw that in last minute after they saw no, Batman v that, Superman. That whole, the rewrites thing that was planned is already planned to be a little bit lighter from the start. Um, yeah, and rewrites happen in all films. And especially comic book movies plan at least, like, I think two to six weeks of post-production just mm-hmm. to fill in the gaps anyway. Because you don't know, like, yeah. when you, it's only when you get in the editing chair and you look into the coverage that you see, like, what worked and what really didn't. Yeah. So when that, that story broke and everybody's like, oh, there's there's trouble at Bruin, they're going in for rewrites, that really wasn't a story. No. Tons of movies have done. Oh, yeah. Uh, you kind of have to, especially when you're yeah. doing a big comic book movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but, and I... Um, and I think that another thing that Warner Brothers has going for it is, like, Warner Brothers comic book movies are basically cars that work even though you remove, like, two or three of the tires. <laughs> and, and, you know, because, like, they, they have a lot of missing parts that in any other movie would be a huge problem. Um, like, you know, like, imagine being a writer over at Marvel and be like, boss, I'm looking at it, and this movie still doesn't have a villain. And they're like, oh, because we're already filming. and they're like and they're like hey boss are we gonna like score a soundtrack and they're like nope we're just gonna use a bunch of jingles from some shit i found on youtube (laughs) and they're like i don't think it's a good idea and they're like it's in theaters (laughs) (laughs) and so because they can kind of like throw off all this extraneous stuff that is totally necessary for most other movies and they still manage to succeed is is it, it, I would I would drink myself silly if I was a Warner Brothers executive. <laughs> <laughs> Which going back to Ryan's point, like you were saying, they cut all all this other stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made the point earlier that 
they're starting to release their uh, movies in chunks. The first chunk in the theater, the second chunk in the Blu-ray. Which that is that that was that was and everybody knows this and this isn't a secret. That was an exact a decision by the studio to release it like that. Zack Snyder he had directed a like almost three hour long movie, but they cut it to hell. Yeah, but, the, okay, the original yeah, cut of Avengers two was about four hours long. Yeah. yeah, but but you don't you go in knowing they're gonna cut it to hell. Mm-hmm. To a point, but this is Batman and Superman, the two biggest named characters. You could go in there and, and sell I tickets. Saw the four one it, on it's so on much better. No, it's better. No, it is. No, it, they it ruined the me. best DC character. Okay, you're yeah, Lex not. Luthor. <laughs> Uh, we we can get into their decisions with that in a bit, but but my point is that at least the story when they did the extended version, it made sense then for the type of characters they did. It filled in uh, for, a lot of the plot holes, but it didn't yeah, fill in everything. No, it didn't. Which it doesn't have to fill in all the plot holes, but at least the main story made sense with it. So why did they with Batman and Superman, the two biggest names in superheroes for the last seventy years? You could sell a four-hour-long movie and sell if it's good, or at least you know halfway good. You would sell all the tickets. Hell, they could have even done the thing which I hate the most, and I would have respected it more—a part one and part two. Yes. And then mm-hmm. sold the whole story, which still sucked, by the way. Yeah. But even so, it was the whole story. Now, and, and I think another problem, and this is something you could call me a conspiracy theorist, but I'm of the opinion that Zack Snyder, intrinsically, from a philosophical point of view, hates the idea of Superman. Uh, there was, I will completely agree with you, because of one line. And I don't remember if it's in the theatrical cut, but it is in the ultimate cut, where he rescues Lois, and he starts flying away, and Superman, this is Superman, the ultimate Boy Scout, yep. says, nothing stays good in this world, and flies away. Yep. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. That that is no. You just that's or, everything against what Superman is. is. Or when the head of the newspaper is like, you know, this isn't the 1950s. Newspapers don't cost a nickel. Blah blah blah. Nobody cares about this kind of stuff. Write about a football game, and it's like, well, I don't know why your um, your political writer is on, in the sports department anyway. You run a terrible <laughs> newspaper like this. Uh, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah, like the, you just hire separate writers. Yeah, um, I, I think you're right about him miscasting or mis like representing Superman. Mm-hmm. Like it's, at least with Marvel, it's, it's, they well, and it's because actually, and the thing that uh, I think one of the big things is that Zack Snyder genuinely doesn't believe in Superman. Um, he's a huge fan of Ayn, Ayn Rand. He believes in objectivism. <laughs> he wants to do like an Atlas Shrugged movie. Um, he believes that genuinely just helping people out for the good of it is morally and philosophically dumb. That's why, if you notice, Superman is actually more like... Uh, oh, um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, character. Not, not Atlas Shrugged. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's like um, Bruce Wayne's more like a character from The Fountainhead, where he's like mm-hmm. super invested in his company, and he wants to know where the paychecks are going uh, for all of his people. And... By golly, Superman could just do, or Batman could just do so much, so much good in this world as a CEO if the stupid regulatory government wasn't always on his back. Like it's literally Ayn Rand characters in terms of Batman. Uh, and he do, and Zack Snyder doesn't believe in Superman. Now I don't blame him because I hate Superman. Superman's a terrible character. 
when you're invincible to everything, it's no longer, there's no tension. In fact, the only way that writers have been able to make tension in a Superman story for years now is just to throw other Superman at him. <laughs> I don't necessarily it, agree The, the Infinite that. Crisis culminated with Superman fighting Superman and Superman being too strong for Superman. The crises are something completely different. So Superman enlists the help of Superman and Superman to defeat Superman. But, like, read Superman Birthright, (laughs) uh, Superman's Secret Identity, Superman uh, American Alien. I'm great. But Superman is better whenever you face him with a moral moral issue, which is what Ryan was... Yeah, because that's that's the character that he is. He's, He's DC's Captain America, and... Like he's this this noble like warrior of justice, and when you you portray him instead as Batman, and then you also include a Batman that's even darker than that, then you're you're missing the point behind that character, and I think that's why like they just missed the mark because people went to go see a Superman and they saw two Batman, one dressed as a Superman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and also it's just so it's so grim that it's not fun. No, I mean it's which. And if, if you want to have a, if you want to have a movie that's not fun, that's fine. But a movie that's not fun is going to want you to think about it. And the moment you start thinking about the plot of Batman versus Superman, the entire story unravels. Yeah. Because the main villain or one of the main villains, because there are so many villains, is uh, it, it needs a jar of pee pee. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I'm sorry, but the moment that your your villain requires peeing into a mason jar to defeat his villain, then or to defeat the hero, you have lost track uh, at the writing session. Like exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, so we could go on and on about this uh, for a long time, but we are starting to run out of time. Anybody got any final points they really want to make on this before we move on? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I mean, everybody hit on some really good points. Yeah, um, I, and and I guess I'll just jump in and be like, I don't. It's easy to blame Zack Snyder because, uh, a, in a lot of ways, a director is like a pinata. You know, if there's something wrong, everybody just grabs a club and starts swinging. Um, I don't necessarily blame Zack Snyder because somebody should have sat down with him and listened to like a screenplay treatment of what him and David S. Gore were coming up with, and being like, wait, pee into what? Um, <laughs> and that's entirely a production issue, and. Mm-hmm. Like, Warner Brothers is afraid to throw him out of the driver's seat now, and they're just going to do damage control with Ben Affleck because he's already so invested. The only person they could really replace him with from, like, the Warner Brothers family would be someone like McG or... Um, Which would be great, uh, I think. Or, or Brett Ratner, honestly. Ooh, that would not be great. They don't have a lot of talent. They haven't had a vetting process, and they're already filming. Um, they're already in production. So Going off that point... I would say that's one that's one thing that Marvel has an advantage of is because Marvel started as its own studio of of strictly Marvel comics people mm-hmm. and they hired directors from there. So almost everybody that is a producer in that is from Marvel Comics. They understand they get the comics and they focus more on that. Mm-hmm. So I think they they had an advantage there big time while DC has all the Warner Brothers movie people wanting to look at this before they they finally push everything out, which is where we run into all these problems. Mm-hmm. Also, David S. Goyer needs to stop doing <clears throat> superhero movies. He really should. He, he's a, um, whatchamacallit, he's one of those guys where he, he got a lot of positive press because he was with Christopher Nolan. 
And the thing yeah. about Christopher Nolan is he, Christopher Nolan can take a terrible script and make it into an engaging movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, case in point, basically just about everything he's done lately. Inception <laughs> is just downright silly when it comes down to it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's okay because the movie's fun to watch. Wah! Oh, we're going deeper. <laughs> None of this makes sense. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, if you look at Interstellar, Merv! Uh, that's the plot of the movie. Doesn't matter. <laughs> look at these. Look at these vistas, and and that's the Christopher Nolan promise. He's going to give you a big clunky machine that's going to be so fun to watch in like 4K or on Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> that that's that's a that's a Christopher Nolan. <clears throat> game. But mm-hmm. with um, David S. Goyer, he's been writing these like terrible scripts, like uh, The Dark Knight Rises, for example, where it's literally the end, like the bomb scene with uh, the old 1960s Batman. You know where he's running the bomb. <laughs> that's the plot of them. They have the same plot. Oh man, shark repellent. Bat yeah, shark no, no. Repellent. Like, but in the Batman movie, he has yeah. a giant bomb with a huge fuse, and he's trying to run and throw it into the water. And there are some nuns there, and there are children the other way. There's and ducks in the water. Yeah, and when it finally blows up, he's like, sometimes you just can't throw a bomb, uh, throw away a bomb, and that's the whole plot of Dark Knight Rises, which was a super silly movie, but it mm-hmm. didn't matter because Christopher Nolan was gonna he polished the hell out of that turn. Yeah. Sure yeah. Now, one thing, one, my final point that I wanted to get onto was, as far as the characters go, like, I think Ben Affleck and Harry Cavill, and almost all the guys in Suicide Squad, with the exception of Jai Courtney, which I still don't get the reason, which we didn't have time to get into that, which I'm a little sad about Suicide Squad because I um, did have a lot Tom Hardy quit. That's the only Squad. reason you ever hired Jai Courtney. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I like for the most part who they have to play these characters. I think Harry Carville, when they let him be Superman, is a great Superman. But the problem is they don't let him be Superman very often. You mean when they let him speak at all? Yeah, exactly. Um, like the very last scene of Man of Steel, wherever he knocks the drone out of the sky, and he's like, I'm on your side. I know you're trying to find where I hang my cape. And he's very much that, like, good old boy kind mm-hmm. of thing. Great! Perfect! I want more of that! Give me that! Instead, they give Ben Affleck... The Dark Knight, uh, The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller Batman, which is, in my opinion, the worst Batman. I don't care if you like the comic or not. It's, it is a good comic. It's a very important comic. I'm not saying that. The last just, panel seemed awesome. Hey, uh, <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't like ultra-fascist Batman who takes a child army and, and like declares martial yeah. law and conquers Gotham? I, I, hate, yeah. I can't stand a lot of Frank Miller's work. I'm sorry. I know he's iconic and everything like he's, that. No, no. He's cuckoo bananas. Oh God, yeah, and like, he's okay. right up there with Alan Moore worshiping snakes. Yeah. This is also this is the guy that wrote the goddamn Batman, this the is, original All Star Batman. This is next week topic material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they give us these versions of these characters, and it's like you have great actors that can do a great job as these characters. Stop yeah. doing this with them. Marvel has the opposite problem, where they have hire no names basically to play these characters that are mediocre at best, but they write them so fun. They're so much fun, even the bad guys. And and all of the all of the characters in your Marvel universe, they're going to talk to each other. You're going to understand their motivations. You're going to get to know them, even yeah. if that's a talking raccoon. And exactly. if Superman can't talk, he can't emote, and then he can't develop as a character. Exactly. Um, and I'm and, I'm not and, saying. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, no, and, and I'll agree with you. I think that actually the Warner Brothers has some of the best casting um, of any of the comic book franchises. The people that they're bringing on are dynamite. Henry Cavill is an amazing Superman. He looks Will like Will Smith Superman. killed it as Deadshot. Yeah, I'm Will, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Will Smith killed it as Deadshot. 
um, freaking uh, Ben Affleck is an amazing looking Batman, and the set design is on point. Like the outfits mm-hmm. are pretty cool and interesting. They need to stop with that dark, that gray filter, the, the Snyder filter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, to now with Snyder Vision, we are going to make everything dark and grainy. Like, throw that out. Um, but everything else, they have so many great parts, and I feel like that needs to be celebrated. Like Warner Brothers, they're they're getting they have a good team together. But it's like instead of having Danny Ocean run the Ocean's Eleven team, they put the acrobat in charge. Oh boy! <laughs> See, I think that I think that it comes down to this: Marvel or DC doesn't necessarily always make sense. In fact, it, a lot of times doesn't make sense with their stories and what their characters do. But they also are super serious. So if that's the case, it, like you said, it has to make sense. People are going to pay attention. Marvel has the exact same problems with that, where. Not all their characters make sense, and not all their motives and actions and everything make sense, but it's super fun to watch. Like, you're enjoying every second, even of their crappiest films. It's fun to watch what they're doing and hearing their quips. Yeah, you can complain all day about how quippy it is and how much joke it is, but okay, that makes up for the lack of story coherence. So you can't have lack of story coherence and not have any fun. Yeah, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought that was going to be a silly movie, and the villain kind of was silly. But the one line, dance off, bro. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, he's like, Gamora, come on. And she's like, no. And he goes, all right, taking it back. Subtle. <laughs> um, I I will always love Guardians of the Galaxy. Cause, and and, and I, what's really sad is that's the guy from Pushing Daisies, who's the main villain, but they made him cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like Cobra Commander would tell him to take it back a notch. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, but it's so fun. Like, he's dancing. You know, like, his radio broke, so, or, so his cassette broke. He's, ooh, child, things are better to get easy. Listen to these words. Like, <laughs> it's just a great time. It, and the plot is so dumb. Like, oh, they're going to blow up a planet again. Everybody's blowing. Like, as a real estate agent, I would hate living in, the, in the, like, any comic book universe. Everybody's trying to destroy cities or planets. All right, so that being said, uh, again, we're kind of run. We've gone over. I already know we've gone over time. Ryan's been looking at me for a while now. So we're just going to go on to our final thing. We're going to continue what we did last week. We are going to pick our members for the Legion of Doom. Okay. So, Alex, would you go first and tell us who your who your pick is for this this episode? Okay. Actually, maybe um, we should go over who our current Legion of Doom is. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, um, yeah. Let, go ahead. Let's recap. Uh, first off, we have my nominee, which was the Reverse Flash, uh, Eobard Thawne from the... Uh, which I think is a great one. Flash uh, TV series. I have a really obscure torturing lady from... Uh, Did you ever find out what her name was? No, her name is Torturer. Woman. Yeah, torture girl, torture woman. Yeah, torture woman. That's her name. And then she was in American Horror Story. American Horror Story. That's right. <laughs> Not American Horror Story. No, Masters, Masters of Horror. Masters of Horror. Yeah. Uh, mine was um, I cannot think of her name, but the the main girl from Gone Girl. Oh, you're Amy Dunn. Amazing, Amy Dunn. Amazing, Amy Dunn. We got to use your supervillain name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Alex. Um, and then I chose Terrence Fletcher from Whiplash. Excellent choice. <laughs> eh, still on the fence of it, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we know who, who Joe is voting off the yeah. island. Yeah. <laughs> so Alex, who is your who is your second nominee? 
I'm so excited for this. My second nominee is Benicio Del Toro from Sicario. That is a good one. Who is perhaps one of the most successfully intimidating and just successful villains. Like, now, I wasn't able... My, my, um, my Yankee ears weren't able to understand everything that he was saying. Uh, <laughs> but I knew to be very scared. <laughs> God, uh, I feel bad for not having watched Sicario in between... It's a pretty good film. It is uh, a really yeah, good Yeah, it's film. really Can, good film. And why, it's, it, why is he so... Many, like, uh, is, it, is it like a Terrence Fletcher thing where you just have to see it? Like, yeah. he's, he's the type of guy that he's really calm. He will look you in the eyes and go, All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold you down. And I'm going to waterboard you for the next hour or so. And then you're going to have to tell me eventually what I want to know. And he will say it in that exact kind of calm voice and look at you and just scare the shit out of you. Because you know he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, and what's really great about it is um, I'm going to do some cross-universe stuff. Uh, Has anybody here seen the show Burn Notice? Yes, I love that show. So the character that plays Michael Weston is in Sicario, and in Sicario he plays a CIA spook whose name they never mention. Um, (laughs) And you basically have, in the waterboarding scene they mention, you have Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin, and the the actor who played Michael Weston. Um, So you recognize that was him. You have Benicio Del Toro, Thanos, and Michael Weston from Burn Notice who are already forming their proto-Legion of Doom. <laughs> and because they never Wait, mentioned, he wasn't a bad guy, huh? Well, but he was he was a CIA spook. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Jeffrey Donovan, like, or uh, yeah, Jeffrey Donovan, I believe he killed it actually. And and I would actually recommend Sicario not only because it's fascinating to watch, but it's also the director and the cinematographer are the same people who are going to be doing the next Blade Runner movie. And uh, right off yeah. the bat, I I know what you're talking about. I was not excited for a Blade Runner sequel, except maybe like one where they just like go back in time and, and murder Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Uh, <laughs> but um, or you find out that Indiana Jones was a replicant. But anyway, um, that that's relevant. So I was not excited. I was like, Blade oh. Runner is one of my all-time favorite films. And, and I was like, film. I was like, you know, that had like not only just a cool story magic, but also cinematic magic. And I was like, I'm not excited. Then I saw Sicario and realized that not only the director and the cinematographer are going to be... Sicario was one of the best directed and best shot movies of that year. Yeah, Uh, I will agree with that. The score is amazing. When they want you... And and the thing about Sicario is it's all about the tension. It's all about presenting something that is maybe scary, but you just don't think about it. And then just ratcheting up that tension. Um, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say... That scene where they go into Mex- Mexico and everything, like, that is one for one what it is doing patrols in uh, a hostile country. Yeah, and, and I had, uh, I went to go see that movie in theaters with a buddy of mine who lost his leg in Afghanistan and a buddy of mine who was an infantry guy who worked alongside some special forces guys for a little bit in Afghanistan too. And they had one of the best depictions of the different levels of proficiency between someone who's like Delta Force and someone who's like in the FBI. How they're both going to have stuff that they're good at, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah. Um, and they showed actually, like, they actually had realistic, like, firefights. Yeah, oh god, yeah. Like I said, that that whole scene in going, coming across the border and everything, going yeah. into Mexico and all that stuff, then coming back... It was. I was like having flashbacks. Almost. Yeah, it was and, bad. and and it's it's the, yeah the genuine tension and like the music, 
And what is and, and it's funny because on paper that scene is basically just a road trip. Yeah. And it's just go somewhere, do stuff, come back, hijinks ensue. Um, <laughs> but the te- like you are on the edge of your seat. And Benicio del Toro, I've always liked him, and I always it sucks when you know he doesn't really get roles that are super good. But it also made me excited for him being in, in one of the next Star Wars movies because he plays someone who is so genuinely intimidating. I almost pissed myself. Watch, like I was scared for Emily Blunt, <laughs> and he's also the collector. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and it's. I think it's all the same. I think it's all the same character. <laughs> but he plays somebody who's just so, and he, and it's not just that he's scary; it's that he's fascinating. You understand yeah. his motivations. He has goals that he's working towards, and even though his goals may, his methods may seem despicable. He he almost has like at least in his mind a sense of altruism where he's trying yeah. to get something done, and, and in his own way he's trying to fight tyranny, and it's so sad and engaging to watch. And some of the most exciting or like on the edge of your seat scenes are like him in a room with somebody. Yeah. Well, you find at the end he wasn't really altruistic about the whole thing, but well, yeah, yeah. But like, but you see where he's coming. Nobody was altruistic. I, I think that was actually. No, oh thing. God, no. Oh God, no! The, yeah, altruism does not have its place within you know like the drug war or things like that. Yeah. And it's it's such a fascinating look inside. Like I don't think it's a necessarily like, but in, even if it's not accurate specifically, it feels accurate because they take yeah. the, they take the time to build their universe. Um, and and the team like the director cinematographer team they're so good, and and and, and like people immediately started making Sicario references when they heard Benicio del Toro was getting cast in Star Wars. Like, one of the first things I saw on Reddit was, like, go to another part of the galaxy that you consider safe, because you are not a Sith, and this is the land of Sith now. Um, <laughs> and, like, yeah, for you guys who watched Sicario, you know what I'm talking about. It's And it's simple scenes like that, and, and Benicio Del Toro, actually, very physically, he's not doing a whole lot in the movies, no. but, what he, but his character is just, I mean, he's a genuinely successful and terrifying villain. And and Terrence Fletcher would love the level of excellence and quality that Benicio Del Toro's character would bring to the table. All right, so I think it is time to move on to somebody else. Ryan, who's your pick um, for this one? Moving on from that. <laughs> I don't have any from a movie or TV show this time, but an anime. All right. Uh, have, you all, uh, have you all seen Death Note? Yeah. Oh, okay. And oh, is your villain the book? <laughs> Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> it's, it's the book. Just give that to Terrence Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime your name appears in the book, you die. Yeah. Well, oh my god. Name in this. Can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine really Terrence Fletcher, like... No! Can you imagine Terrence Fletcher screaming at, like, a demon, being, like, you're five minutes late? <laughs> Go back home, demon. I'm gonna hire another demon. And the demon's like, no, I can play. And he's like, you don't even have your sticks. <laughs> I can make sticks. But no, who was your real pick? My my real pick is Light Yagami, the main well protagonist slash villain, because he's really the villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's an interesting anime because it follows his point of view, even though he's like the bad guy. Yeah. And has everybody finished it? I don't want to no, like. No, I got to the like the part where everybody says you should stop. So I finished it. So you're okay. Okay. Well, aside from Joe, uh, yeah, there is a part where you should stop. Uh, 
Uh, so go ahead. I'm not. We said this is a spoiler. Yeah, so. and, and that's that's right after he finishes his main goal. Uh, Light does, and where L dies, where he kills L. Yeah. Uh, after that, they add just like convoluted shit to like make more episodes and more money. But the series as a whole, from from there, was great because he was a fantastic villain. Like he had clear goals. Like he had a, a supernatural power, but it wasn't like. It was his mind and, like, him... It wasn't his main thing. It's, it put, it helped him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, somebody with that on the League of Supervillains, like, <laughs> that's going to help out a lot. I'm just saying, like, wait, who's our main uh, main protagonist? Oh, Superman. All right, how do you spell that? <laughs> what was his real name? You said you knew, right? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Here. Okay. He's gone. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> so, not only for his superpower, but also, like... His like super evil villainy like mindness. Yeah. That's a good uh, pick. I would say that's a really good pick. So that's my yeah, that's my dude. Okay. Uh, v. Okay, since we're yeah, since, uh, I had actually picked somebody from anime as well. Um, now have uh, have you has ever everyone here seen Ruin Kenshin? Yes. I, yeah. I ad hoc, I bits and pieces, but please okay. ruin it for me. Okay, now. I'm going to pick um, Makoto Shishio. Oh, shit. Now, I'm going to explain why I'm picking Makoto Shishio. Because essentially, if you follow the series... I didn't... Yeah. Please explain. Um, he's the main protagonist in the second season of the show. Yeah. Um, now, basically, this is the, the assassin that took over for Kenshin after Kenshin quit being the yeah, yeah, assassin. So, yeah, he became the new assassin. Although, uh, yes, 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 the mummy. <laughs> okay. So, so he's weak to Brendan Fraser, but Brendan Fraser wasn't in Japan at the time. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, now, the reason why I picked Makoto Shishio, because essentially, if you've watched the show, and you watch the final fight between him and Kenshin, technically, aside from that plot device where Shishio can only fight for 15 minutes at a time. <laughs> Convenient. <laughs> Kenshin would have lost. Yeah. You're absolutely correct on that. Kenshin would have lost. But because Makoto Shishio was badly burned by the Meiji government um, for knowing so many secrets, and part of his plot to take down the Meiji government was basically throwing their old plan in their face, I think was absolutely just mm -hmm. a major, like, <laughs> you guys tried to kill me by doing this, so I'm going to kill you guys by using a plan you you guys decided not to use, which is burn down the millennial capital, capital yep. Tokyo. You know, and basically he was playing on the Japanese government's fears of the American involvement, because essentially that's why they had the purgatory, which was this giant gunship. And now the thing is, is that this guy is a lowly assassin. He built an entire criminal organization in ten years that had enough money to actually purchase one of those armored ships from America. You know, so he's got organizational skills. Basically, he's playing the Jupangadana against each other because he tells one of them, tells one of the Jupangadana, if you can kill me, that's fine. I don't care. Full well knowing that that member of the Jupangadana can never kill him. But he's like, you know what? If you feel froggy, jump. <laughs> yeah, that's. I would say that's a really good one too. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty good. You know, not only that, just uh, he's a vicious son of a bitch too. You know, he is vicious. I mean, he barely lifts his sword 
And basically, he can he teaches uh, Sojiro basically another technique that should have actually beat Kenshin, which is the uh, uh, biting him in the shoulder. Not biting him <laughs> in the shoulder. No, he did use that secret technique. He did use that secret technique, but the uh, but the the nom nom attack, I believe it's called. Yes, the nom nom. <laughs> but I'm talking about the shikuchi, which is basically where Kenshin was having a hard time tracking Sojiro's uh, movements because he was moving so fast. So basically, Sojiro was the second mem- second top level member to the Jubogadana besides Shishio. So he's already recruited that high level talent within his organization. So to me, Makoto Shishio, Terrence Flesher, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so for mine, the final one for tonight, I vote, and I'm not going with the Zack Snyder version, don't worry. Oh, boy. But Osmodeus from Watchmen. Ooh. The only real villain to ever truly succeed in exactly what he wanted to do. Wait, not not Asmodeus, um, because Asmodeus is the uh, Lord of the Underworld. No, that's what he takes his, takes his name from, though. I thought it was Ozymandias. Yeah, Ozzy, uh, Yeah, as in Ramses II. I thought he was... Okay. I thought it was just Osmodeus. He was naming himself after the... Okay, okay, but, okay. so he's not naming himself after a demon, Asmodeus. You know, if you guys are into that. Yeah, uh, no, Ozymandias <laughs> is a the Greek version of... Um, what should we call it? Uh, Ramses, oh. the, it was the Greek name for the Egyptian pharaoh Ramses II. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes more sense then. Um... Excuse me. But this was, like, he thought of literally everything. He kicked all of their asses, like, straight up. In a straight-out fight, with the exception of of Dr. Manhattan, which you you can't beat him. He found a way around him for a little while, but you couldn't beat him. But still, even that's impressive. No, I would argue that he didn't uh, physically defeat Dr. Manhattan, but he intellectually defeated Dr. Manhattan. Oh, big time. Yep, exactly. Which, this guy can see into the past and future. So he figured out a way around that. Yeah. Like, that's impressive. Mm -hmm. And and, so not only is he incredibly intelligent, he's very methodical. He plans for every contingency. Dang, I like this one too. Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) And... Like, he didn't do any super... Like, that is one of the greatest... And I know it's become kind of a trope now and everything like that. But still, that and when that comic, when Watchmen... The final issue of Watchmen first came out, that is one of the biggest, greatest reveals of any villain ever. Was whatever he... His whole line is like, do it. I did it five minutes ago. Yeah. It's like, I've already beaten you. Literally, you cannot do anything here. You're, you're, you've lost... And it's not one of those, you've already lost, lost hero, ha ha ha, and then they find a way to get around and beat him. No. It's like, you've literally lost. There's literally nothing you can do. And then he proceeds to kick the shit out of Night Owl, uh, Rorschach, and was Silk Spectre there? I'm trying to think. There was one other there that was there. No, right? Yeah, Silk Spectre was there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kicks he... the shit out of all three of them after already beating them. Yeah. Like, that's impre- That's a level of impressive that is beyond it. And in doing so, he caused world peace by killing millions of people. Which, that backfired because Rorschach's a stubborn asshole. But, <laughs> nonetheless... It, it, it did it... I only know from the movie. Oh, well, basically in the comic, and I think they did 
hint at this, but Rorschach had written down everything that had happened and everything before Which, how he got that ending, I don't know, but that's still alluded that he did. So, like, the whole plan hinged on him killing millions of people and everybody thinking that it's this, it, this otherworldly thing. Well, in the comic, or mm-hmm. in the movie, Dr. Manhattan, in the comic, it was a weird squid monster alien thing that he yeah. created. Yeah, with a uh, weird psychic thing. flower vagina monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, Literally. Why they didn't yeah. want to put that on the silver screen just is beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so, that, it all hinged on everybody thinking these other things, so everybody's like, okay, shit, we have a bigger threat now that has already killed millions of us, so we have to work together now. But then Rorschach, at the end, he sends the letter that tells everybody what really happened. So, Rorschach technically won at the end. It's up in the air. But still, Osmondeus, he, or Osmondeus, yeah, he beat all of them, physically and mentally, and he won. Straight up won. Damn, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. How many people are there in the actual Legion of Doom? Maybe we can just use all of them this time. I'm still, I'm still <laughs> saying vote out uh, Terrence Fletcher. I, oh! I, I, I am, I am no, I am full on against voting off Terrence Fletcher. No. Yeah, I like him. <laughs> I think he's just an asshole, not a villain. Well, no, like he legit is diabolical. Yeah, he what? he has he has a plan. He he is intrinsically against the main character. And uh, they and actually the best kind of villains are when the villain and the hero both want the same thing, but go about it from different directions, which is what Terrence Fletcher is trying to do. Uh, I would say in this for this group though, like we already have like three other people that are great at planning things out and getting what they want. Like, well then fine, plan, let's vote off the torturer woman. Going, okay, actually I will go with that one. Well, we need one torturer though. I mean, we're we gonna run into we're probably run into other torturers down the line, but also. How many members of Legion of Doom can also put together a score for the Legion of Doom? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. Stay, there. Keep him on as the PR man. Yeah, it, it can't always be about that. You can't always have just bank robbers. You know, some mm-hmm. guy in the Legion of Doom's got to do IT. Some guy's got to do public relations. The other guy has to slap Miles Teller in the face for Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this? We'll keep eight on. From here on out, though, I say eight, eight we're going to keep this the okay. I, I like that, because I like these four. I can't think of one that I don't want. <laughs> There's still I mean, the four from four. the last one, which I'm very adamant about keeping one of them out, but... <laughs> we've already decided we're going to and, what is, what is, okay. and, 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 and like, what, what is one thing that villains love, right? They love theatricality. They love wa- making heroes fall while the public is watching them. And what is more like a villain than being like, our next song is a new one, Upswingin'. <laughs> he deliberately tries to ruin Miles Teller's career and embarrasses him in front of everybody that's important to him. All right, so I'm saying let's that's keep... why Makoto Shishio and Terrence yeah. Fletcher, Fletcher work so perfectly together. That's true, I'll give you that. You get a couple of, like, devious minds like that, fuck. Okay. I so think, all, I think with, with our eight, we already have a more intimidating Legion of Doom than the actual Legion of Doom. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Although, wait, isn't the Reverse Flash actually on the Legion of Doom? Hey! I don't he think ever? he is, no. 
You don't honestly. I don't know as much about DC, old school DC stuff as I do with Marvel. So yeah, uh, yeah no, no. And from um, from the uh, which we call it, Captain Cold was from the Flash. But you honestly didn't really see a whole lot of the Flash in the Legion of Doom because that stuff is hard to animate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, his villains are mostly not like diabolical, like wahaha kind of guys. So yeah, ha ha ha! I control the city's water supply. Yeah, none of them would ever really do that. <laughs> um, so I think we got our A for right now. Next week, we, or next time we record, we will start trying to well, vote others off. Which you're probably right. Torch Roland's probably gonna come off. I'm still gonna fight for Terrence Howard. But well, and <laughs> since we have so many on, maybe we can vote off more than one if we like more yeah, than yeah, yeah. one. Mm-hmm. But we can figure that out when we present our next four. All right, but that but doesn't cap it at eight. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I really like these eight. <laughs> that does it for tonight's episode. Anybody got any final words before we sign out? Oh, oh, I got a thing. Hold on. Oh God. No, Uh-oh. somebody else before he does this because we already know he's gonna. Yeah. There it is. Let it play out. <laughs> All right. I mean, honestly, well, you should be thanking Ryan because this podcast has been mostly gone free. Yeah, that's very exactly. true. So you need to. <laughs> There's only been two gongs so far, so... You're right, I need to make uh, up No, for you don't. <laughs> I feel like Harbinger right now, where I'm like, this hurts you. <laughs> <laughs> no, show enough. Don't chew on plastic. Oh, man. Well, the uh, baddest man in Harlem's got to sharpen his teeth somehow. Yep. <laughs> How else is he going to get the glow? Exactly. I think that's how you get a vet bill. <laughs> but yeah, that does it for tonight's episode of Astronauts Anonymous. Uh, I am Joe Bennett. I am Viet Lee. I am Ryan. And I'm Alex. Alright, have a good night. Later, dudes, and gone. <laughs>